How are you going to stick your one-year-old in a room? They're screaming for you, and you're just like, you dropped your spoon. (laughs) Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 56. Today we'll be talking discipline, everybody, but before we get into that, let's go over the updates. Uh, Mark, how are your baby and a half? Um, good, good. One of them's doing really good. The other one's still in, in process. I should take a step back for my updates because I forgot to mention last time that uh, we had, uh, a few weeks ago now, we had our first sleepover. One of Moe's friends from Tokyo came over and she brought her three-year-old son with her mm-hmm. just to hang out for the night and then the next day as well. So that was a real interesting experience having somebody stay over with their kid. Yeah, that's cool. Was it a real slumber party vibe between the two kids? Did they uh, do a lot of fun stuff? It was. I think it was pretty interesting for them to the point where going to bed at night was a little difficult for both of them, mm-hmm. especially ours. I don't think yeah. he's used to like that much because we usually keep like a pretty chill evening, it's like mm-hmm. bath time scheduled. And then we just kind of hang out and like I'll watch some TV or hit, or we'll put something on and just kind of relax and then kind of slowly go to bed. But yeah, that night it was all just fun and games all night. Yeah, he was amped. He was pretty amped, yeah. It's nice to um, break up the monotony. You know, babies are all about the schedule, but, uh, you know, throw something really fun his way, something new. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good experience. And it's definitely interesting to see, like, somebody else with an older kid kind of... Because when, when you hang out with them out, out in public, you don't really get to see how they're really parenting. But when mm-hmm. you see somebody come over to your house and kind of stay the night, you get, like, the full parenting gamut. And then you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not doing this so terrible. Then <laughs> you kind of <laughs> get some validation. You're like, oh, okay, this is going yeah. all right. You could have a super parent over and then feel horrible about it. You should, you should get like a broad sampling of parents and then see where you stand. Hmm, that is a good idea. I don't know any super parents. I don't think. Okay, man, <laughs> way to simultaneously <laughs> slam every parent you know. Do you like that? (laughs) Yeah, it was well done. (laughs) Economy of slam. Uh, Yeah, but that was it for them. Coda, this week, he had his his first full week of daycare. Mm, Milestone? Yeah, it was pretty good. He started like the week before we had his his, like entrance ceremony and stuff. And then he did like a a practice half day the day Mm -hmm. after that. That went pretty well. And then this week was just the full week of Moe dropping off in the morning and then me picking up in the afternoon every day. And it was pretty good, but it's a little different than yours, it sounds like. Ours is way easier. Oh, really? Yeah, like I guess Moe just kind of goes to the door with him. She has a bag like pre-made with the stuff that he needs for the day and she just hands it over along with Coda. And then they're like, all right, see ya. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Something that happened, it got even a little more involved recently because, uh, uh, you know, April happened. So for the first couple of months, he was in the the smallest kid's class, the zero-year-old class. Mm. 
uh, which is, they're called the chicks, like the baby mm. chickens. And then he leveled up to the squirrel class. So he is officially oh. a squirrel now. That must be a national thing. Ours is the same. Oh, really? You have chicks and squirrels? Yeah. Coda's a squirrel. The next level is rabbits, the Usagi class. I don't mm. know if that's the same there. That is the same. I was looking at that. Wow, that's crazy. We're in different prefectures even. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. We could be tapping into a national phenomenon here. But <laughs> he's a squirrel, so now there's like new responsibilities. And one of them is that squirrels have to wash their hands before they go into the room. And there's a sink in the hallway. So now, hmm. like I, in addition to all the other stuff, like going in and dropping off clothes and diapers and, you know, organizing things, <laughs> before I do all that, I have to take him. And this was news <laughs> to me because I had never really stood at a sink and washed his hands, you know. Right. <laughs> hadn't been a thing. So uh, they have two boxes piled up so that the kid can reach the, the sink. And I let him stand on those boxes and I kind of pin him to the sink with my body a little bit so he doesn't mm. fall off. Get the soap lather up his hands, put them under, it's motion activated and they have to dry them off. And it, it was kind of something to figure out the first time, but now it's like that's added. And they also want to phase out baby clothes for the hmm. uh, squirrel group, the one-year-old group. So like, you know, clothes that are like onesies that have a snap at the bottom. Oh, um, really? They ask you not to, they're not so strict about it, but they ask you to start um, phasing those out so that they're just wearing like shirt and pants instead of like a onesie that wraps them up that way. And that onesie is so helpful though. It really is. But we're sort of forced out of it now. So my wife Damn. bought a lot of uh, tank tops and undershirts because it's still a bit cold. So we'll put like a white t-shirt on him and then put a long sleeve shirt and then put some pants on him. And mm. so he's like a little boy now running around. Crazy. Is he actually running around now? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. He crawls rapidly. I keep waiting. He's pretty close to walking, though. Yeah, he cruises. I mean, he'll cruise all around a table, and he'll go from the table and turn around and grab onto the couch. So, And he, mm. he has moments where he'll stand for a couple of seconds, but um, he doesn't see the benefits of walking yet, so he's he's not there. <laughs> he's like, eh, people still carry me. <laughs> yeah, what's in it for me? I can crawl over there. No bigs. <laughs> but he's, he's on the cusp of walking, I'd say. But uh, anyway, any other um, commentary on your uh, Huiquin? Yeah, I was going to say like the uh, the entrance ceremony. You always hear kind of like horror stories about it, or at least I have from other parents. They're like, oh, they're so long and they talk forever and blah, blah, blah. Ours was really quick. It was like principal came in. She like welcomed everybody, basically. She introduced some teachers. She introduced the students who were entering, like all the kids. And then they had like an older group of kids come in and sing a song for everybody. And then that was it. The teachers came over, they grabbed some of us, and then they kind of showed us the rooms that our kids are going to be in and let us play mm -hmm. for a little bit. We were out of there. And did you suit up for this event? Oh, no. Did anyone else wear a suit? Every other dad that was there. <laughs> <laughs> the odd man out. Foreigner didn't get the I didn't. I didn't look bad but I wasn't in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was at all like straight, like black suits, white shirts, very official um, looking. It was, it was more like Navy, some pinstripe suits. It definitely looked like the suits that these guys wore to work like every day. Okay. Like it wasn't like though. fancy suit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good to yeah, hear that uh, Japan's keeping tradition alive. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. I'm uh, 
I'm glad it wasn't terrible. Uh, there was something else I was going to say about Coda this week. He had a kind of a big week. Oh, he got five vaccines this week. Bull. In one sitting? In one sitting. I wasn't there, but I guess he cried a lot. So sorry. Mm. <laughs> was it, uh, did they go like arm, arm, leg, leg, arm? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, I think that's what Moe was saying. Two in the same arm and then one for everything else. Yeah, I think Nico's been down that road once. Yeah, it was uh, the year. Like it was the year vaccine. Yeah. Pretty brutal. I should say, too, number two is now 17 weeks, mm-hmm. which apparently is when we started doing this podcast before when Coda was 17 weeks. Oh, that's crazy. So Moe, Moe went back and she started listening to the old episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she <laughs> she asked me to quiz you if you remember what the first the very first Japanese of the day was. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I think even if you told me what the Japanese word was, I wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> you so. definitely know this word. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Uh I don't know, was it something like simple like Kodomo or something like that? Like uh yeah. it's pretty simple. No, it was Tamago. Tamago. Egg. Yeah, egg. yeah, yeah. We didn't know anything about kids in those days. We were still egg talking. Oh, us fools back then. Yeah. <laughs> we thought it was We should go back egg. and listen. <laughs> Let's be terrible. Oh. Yeah. I do remember there was a quiz early on uh, with just some like general, you know, what do you do with your kid? How many times a day do they need a diaper change? And we just like flubbed everything. So oh, yeah. That yeah. would be worth going back and listening to. We should go back and do redo some of those quizzes. I think it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Content, baby. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> well, Nico is one year and two months old. He's officially past the 14-month threshold. Mm. I think the the biggest change... Well, before I get to the biggest change, I'll say that we're cycling into work more frequently. If the weather's nice and the temperature mm. is like high enough, comfortable enough, then I'll slap him on the back of the bicycle oh, and nice. we will go to work that way. It's about a 2K ride and it's been a lot of fun. I realized that no other parents take their kids this way to the daycare. So it kind of stands out as a strange behavior. You see that quite often though in Kanazawa, like kids on the bikes yeah you see the kids on the bikes i guess it's just the daycare i'm going to um it's not the norm uh Hmm. nobody else does it anyway and then the other thing is to get into the parking lot you need like there's a a bar or a gate that raises and lowers Mm. and so uh usually you go in with a car obviously through those but now i'm on the bike and i just cruise through where the bar (laughs) raises up and lowers (laughs) And I'm not sure like if I should like veer off on another course or go around it or something. I don't want to break the rules, so I just cruise through. I feel like I'm going through a McDonald's drive through on foot or something. It's like one of those weird things. But uh, then I roll up <laughs> uh, and I park right outside the, the daycare. I take them out. And then when I take them in, they can see us through the windows. And mm. what, there's always some commentary like, oh, Nico looks cool with his helmet. And there's like a big kerfuffle that goes on because um, we took him by the bike. It's all positive, but uh, there's a lot of uh, talk about how he comes in on the bicycle. Interesting. But Nico loves it, and he's at the phase now. He has been for the last month or so. I'd say this started about 13 months where he's not 
he protests a little bit to get into the car seat. Like he'll mm-hmm. stiffen up and go straight as a board and then just like his head and his feet are touching the car seat, oh. but you can't get him to sit down into it. Um, and he reaches for things, tries to roll over and get out of it. And it's a little difficult, but when he sees the bicycle and the baby seat on the back, uh, he smiles and giggles and he's like, here it goes. Oh yeah. He gets so hyped about it. So, uh, I think he likes just, you know, seeing things up close and the the speed and, and that sort of stuff, which we don't, we don't go fast of course, but it's comparatively fast. Moe's cousin, her husband, He's got a Brompton and he used to do the pickups and from mm-hmm. their daycare. And at the time, I think his kid was like one and a half to two and a half, maybe when he was doing it. And every time his kid would point to the bike and be like, bike, bike, like mm-hmm. saying like, I want to take the bike to school today. And he'd be like, no, 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 car. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a pretty common thing for kids. Yeah, it must be pretty exciting because... Uh they've probably never seen the world go by like at that speed, you know, cruising Mm. like that. And uh, aside from being inside a car, which is a different environment. So uh, Nico is loving it and it's the easiest thing to get him into, you know, as opposed to the the car seat. He's behind you, right? Yeah. It's an adjustable seat. So theoretically there's a weight limit and it should be good until he's like even four or five years old or something. Oh, okay. Uh, So you can like raise the, headrest and you can lower the spots where his feet go and um, should be good for a long while i uh i went out and bought a kid's trailer for the back of my bike Mm, that's cool do a similar thing but so far i haven't got it all hooked up i'm still waiting on a part but we got him in it because it's also a a stroller and he seemed a little confused because it wasn't his Mm -hmm. regular stroller but he was pretty game once he got into it. And I'm curious, like, if once we get up to, like, bike speed, he's really going to like it. Yeah, I bet he will. It's like a whole new world for him. Yeah. So our other big update is um, I'm going to go ahead and lock in first words officially. Oh, yeah? And put it in the record books here. And uh, it's not like we're, you know breaking new ground or setting world records or anything. He's 14 months old and he's been babbling. Mm. I mean, he was like, I've been talking about for, I don't know, 10 months now he's been saying like, mama, mama, mama when he's, you know, hungry or something. So it's hard to pin down, but then, uh, I don't know, a few months ago he would say, bah for goodbye. Mm. We would, you know, try to coax it out of him like say bye say bye and he'd get a bah but he could have been imitating us but not really knowing what he's saying so you know it's hard to count Hmm. but um i would say in the last two weeks we got his first definite english word and his first definite japanese word but wow both and yeah and um the it's like indisputable he's calling for something we know what it is and the english word is banana (laughs) Nice. He's he's a big <laughs> banana fan. They're bright and yellow, easily recognizable. We keep them right next to the kitchen table, so he sees them all the time. Mm. Give them to him every day, and uh, he, sometimes it comes out just bana like that. And then mm. sometimes he'll get a nana, but sometimes he puts it all together and he has a banana, and wow. uh, then he can he can call for it. But uh, I served him up a plate of oranges 
the other day after dinner as a kind of dessert, just little orange slices. And as soon as he saw the orange slices, it was a banana, banana. (laughs) So I realized as a linguist (laughs) that banana to him means like something sweet that he really likes to eat. Right. And that there's probably a big category of these things. Mm. And then I further realized that you can't hold it against him because you do that for your entire life with different things. And the uh, example that sprung to mind for me is like, if you go into a hardware store and say, I want a nail gun, they'll be like, well, Okay, that's narrowed it down to 50 things that we sell because right. there's like a, you know, a brad nailer, finish nailer. Do you want it battery powered? Do you want it pneumatic? What gauge do you want to use? And so you're just like nail gun, you know, like <laughs> if you don't know what you're talking about. So you have to really get acquainted with the world of whatever you're speaking on right. to then make sense of it with any kind of um, specificity. Hmm. So for now, banana is just like sweet thing that he really likes and yeah. he'll he'll apply it to pineapple and orange and, and banana. Hmm. But um, we feed him a lot of bananas, so he's very often right about what nice. he's eating. Now, the first Japanese word, uh, he picked this up at Hoikoen for sure. And as soon as he started saying it, you could just picture where it was coming from. But uh, the first Japanese word was dozo. <laughs> which is when you're giving someone something and you say like, here you go, here it is or whatever in Japanese, that's dozo. And then I realized, oh, I bet like at least a hundred times a day at the daycare, there's mm. like, here's a toy or here's a whatever. And then, okay, now give it to the other kid, say dozo. So they probably say dozo constantly with the kids playing with yeah. stuff all day long. And uh, Nico just started like dozo in a way when he'll hand you something. And uh, no matter what it is, or if he wants something, he does a dozo. And again, it's kind of like something is being exchanged. Here's a dozo. Right. So I uh, just before we started recording, I went downstairs and I prompted him on a dozo and I got it recorded here. So you can listen to little Nico shouting out a dozo. Now, uh, be forewarned that I say dozo first to prompt him to say dozo. So the first dozo is not his dozo. It's my dozo. That's going to be really impressed. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty expert. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's give it a listen. Dozo. 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 Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty clear dozo. It's pretty adorable. <laughs> yeah, so he's got a dozo under his belt. That's like no question his first Japanese word because, um, mm. you know, we speak English in the house, so he's only really yeah. flirted around English words so far, and then dozo just came right out after his few weeks or month or two at Hoikoen. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah, but um, that's that, banana and dozo. Well, that's what we're working That's good. With. Yeah. Good job, Nico. Yeah. He went uh, polysyllabic across the board. He thought Just right uh, away. Yeah. He leveled himself up. <laughs> He's speaking at a 15 month old level. Well, that's it for updates. Very good. Very good. Segment Town. So you have sourced an article uh, about discipline that uh, you thought 
be a good topic. So why don't you kick it off, sir? Yeah, I uh, I stumbled across this a few days ago, actually. And it's from a Washington Post article that was written uh, maybe a week ago. And it's titled, Forget Gentle Parenting and Discipline Your One-Year-Old, Psychologist Says. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to click on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you go on to read. I'll, I'll read a little bit and then we can discuss it a bit. But here it is. Picture the scene. You're exhausted after a long day. You've barely had time to shower and you're trying to get through dinner with your family. Then your 12 month old holds out their spoon, looks you in the eye and drops it on the ground for the third time. As their parent, how should you respond? By shutting them in their rooms, says Carolyn Goldman, the ultra-strict French child psychologist who argues that one-year-olds are mature enough to be punished without timeout. I think that's enough to get you give you a sense of what the rest of the article is kind of about. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds uh, it's pretty extreme. I uh, I dipped into that article a little bit, and I saw where she says, um, obviously, she's not advocating any physical punishment, like no spankings or anything. But it is um, basically, she says, from the age of one, then you can put them in timeout. And she's got the timeout philosophy. So uh, put them alone in a room and close the door for a number of minutes, like two minutes or something, and then don't respond to them. And then after the time's up, let them back out. and, And that's the form of punishment. So um, what was your takeaway from from this article or how did you feel about it? My first takeaway was that she's crazy and I'm definitely <laughs> not going to do any of that. Mm. I mean, she's she it's not like a insane amount of time. Like she she talks about like gradually increasing the amount of time in the timeout. Mm-hmm. But still, I don't see how Coda at just over a year now would understand that dropping a thing on the floor and then me taking him and putting him by himself are related. Like there's no connection in his mind that that's a cause and effect kind of thing. And I don't think he's capable of even understanding cause and effect. I think so much flashes through their mind so quickly, you know, a kid will, you know, drop something on the floor and then see something on the shelf and smile at it and then yeah. like pick up a piece of toast and like eat it. Like they're just this little, you know, id, like one minute or one second to the next, just doing the next thing. Mm. So I feel like even the act of me picking him up, carrying him across the house, he's lost the sense of that he dropped right. a spoon a few, you know, 30 seconds before. Yeah. And, uh, it doesn't, I mean, maybe we're not giving the kids enough credit. Maybe they are making some connections, uh, which they obviously are making connections that we're not aware of, but it does seem like to me, it's like, you're not, it, it takes a lot of effort on your part to do this stuff. And mm. it's just like, I don't see that it's that effective because I don't assume the kids making those kinds of connections. So I don't want to implement a whole regime Right. Like, you know, this is how I act whenever he drops his spoon or something. I think it yeah. can be way more easily handled in sort of a more natural way. Like, oh, no, no, no. And don't do that. Shake your head. And then or right. uh, if Nico repeatedly throws something on the floor, I'll pick it up. But then I'll put it like out of his reach somewhere else where he can see it. 
And then mm. he knows like, oh, I, I don't have it anymore. I threw it away. Basically, hopefully he's making that connection. Yeah, um, we kind of so, do the same thing. Yeah. And that stuff's really simple. And it's not like, all right, you must go into isolation. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just it's easier. I think the biggest issue with this is that you're really coming from two different perspectives when you look at discipline. You have a, a negative reinforcement vibe or positive reinforce, reinforcement. And she's mm-hmm. heavily leaning into the negative reinforcement, which means anything she does going forward has to be in that vein or mm, yeah. you're, it's not going to stick, kind of. At least yeah. that's the way I kind of think about it. Whereas if, I mean, if you treat everything like a game, kind of the way kids naturally do, and that's how they learn in general, like it's not, he's not trying to be a dick by throwing the thing on the floor. He's mm-hmm. just trying to like, you know, play basically. For him, that's a game. Like, I drop it on the floor. Mom or dad picks it up. I drop it on the floor again. This is great. Mm -hmm. So he's not learning like, oh, I can manipulate my parents by dropping this. He's learning like, oh, I can interact with people. That's what I took away from that article as well, is that she seems to be thinking of the child as like a small rational adult right. that's like making calculated decisions to annoy her and right. she's going to like punish him in a certain way. But um, as you say, the kid's motivations are so, so different. And mm. then it must seem incomprehensible why like, oh, when I play with my dad this way, it's fun. And when I play with my dad this way, he puts me in a room by myself for a while. And then like <laughs> the kid's probably not differentiating the types of play from his perspective. And yeah. um, it, I think there are just way more natural ways to go about it that also yeah. don't make you institute this like big system of rules and timings and policies and all that stuff. Yeah, and I don't want to come across as like a law enforcement person to my kid. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's not the way I want them to see me. Whereas if you start implementing these rules and stuff, that's a hundred percent how they'll see you. They're like, "Oh, I can't yeah. do this. Dad'll do X or whatever." Yeah. And I don't, that's not my style of parenting, at least. Yeah. I know that much. (laughs) Absolutely. And in that article too, I noticed that uh, when they presented the opposing view, they went really extreme with that opposing view and Mm. to the point that it was a straw man, essentially. Like Mm. um, they gave an example of like, you know, some people would say you should uh, do something like uh, in the middle of a fight, give your child a hug to prove you love them. And that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, yeah, okay, it doesn't make sense, but that's not the (laughs) alternative to what you're talking about. That's like one example of kind of a left field thing, whereas there's much more of a, I would say, a sane middle road that doesn't take so much efforts and stuff. So, uh, Mm. And that comes across as more of a natural interaction between you and the kid. That's basically what I would uh, advocate for is like, uh, just, you know, if you disapprove of something, then tell the kid you disapprove of it or shake your head or say no or whatever. But um, you don't have to make it an elaborate system to get to those ends. Mm, definitely. I should say, I don't know if maybe we're doing something wrong or she's doing something right, but she's got a podcast. She's got 1.8 million listeners and we don't. Oh, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah. Take our advice with a grain of listenership. Yeah, she <laughs> she's uh, French, of course, but um, 
you know, Marie Le Pen gets a lot of votes in France. Uh, and mm. like you can use the American media landscape as uh, evidence that viewership doesn't equal correctness. So very true. Very true. Anyway. Um, yeah, I pretty much disagreed with it. Another thing is it's not like it was a study with 100,000 participating families. It's like one psychologist who's notable because she's way outside the norm. Right. And that's what made it newsworthy because it's new. It's a new idea. So um, in general, she's just getting a bit of coverage because she said something nuts. It's kind of like a flat earther. Mm. I mean, maybe it's not that insane, but it's like, oh, this idea is so outlandish. Let's uh, talk about it. Mm. Um, So that's probably playing into it as well. Um, they even mentioned in that article that it's not based on extensive research because nobody's doing it. So there's no one to <laughs> research, like, uh, you know, putting your kid in a in a closed room for a few minutes at the age of one. Yeah, I like uh, this kind of snippet pulled out. She says, uh, do not let them out if they cry, sniffle or call to you. She instructs. Communicate to them what they have done wrong, but do not engage in dialogue or show your emotions. Man, that's just like <laughs> cold. Yeah. How are you going to stick that's... your one-year-old in a room? They're screaming for yeah. you and you're just like, you dropped your spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, ah, ah, ah. you dropped your spoon <laughs> through the door. Oh. Uh. There's probably a lot of sort of the pendulum swing between parenting techniques, I would imagine. And uh, if you yeah. go back long enough in, I guess, any culture, it was probably down to you know, more of a spare the rod and spoil the child system. Right. And then the pendulum probably swung way over to the touchy feely side. And mm. um, But again, you have to take either extreme with a grain of salt because they're extremes. So, right. Um, but now I think she's making a name for herself by sort of being the uh, the backlash to the backlash and trying to pull the pendulum the other way. Hmm. Well, if you're interested in uh, finding out more about that, you can go read that article and then laugh at all the other stuff she says because some of it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty brutal when you actually have a one-year-old and you see them just toddle around not knowing anything. Right. <laughs> Well, it's a pretty short segment today. I just wanted to kind of discuss that and kind of go over some ideas about it. Yeah, cool. It's We're also relatively inexperienced on, um, you know, eventually we'll have like kids in the terrible twos. It's right. coming in less than a year for both of us. And then three, four, that seems like kind of a rough time with, you know, full on meltdowns in the store because they don't get a toy they want. And mm. there will be opportunities for like dealing with real kind right. of... Uh, emotional issues and real things where they've you know destroyed your your wall with a marker or something so then you'll have to figure out like okay we're getting into property damage now we've got to figure this out <laughs> so there'll be a lot of opportunities for us to um first sure. get into the discipline but at just having turned one it does seem ludicrous it, it really does all right, all right, all right. Uh, you are Mr. Japati today. So, what do you got? Today in Japati Town, Yada. I don't know if you've heard this one yet. That's a very nice one. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. Um, our uh, when our friend came over, her three year old. That was like his favorite word. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Like every other thing was yada yada yada, and uh, it really gave me an appreciation for the word because he used it in so many scenarios. Like this kid <laughs> uh-huh. was, he was very good and just like he knew how to use this right. And his mom was just like, oh, "Fine." <laughs> <laughs> but in looking it up, actually, I did discover something interesting that it's the same word as. Kirai, which means like to dislike. Yeah. So uh, you mean the kanji is the same? The kanji is or... the same. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That first part of ia. When I looked it up, it said it was either ia or ken, mm. which I guess when you put it into I like dislike means like kirai. So pure definition wise, it's what kids say to say like, no, I don't wanna. It's maybe like an I don't wanna, I guess. As yeah, it's kind of an goes. everything. It's like I don't I don't like that. I don't wanna do that. Don't do it this. Sucks. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, this is mine. I've heard it shouted like in the shopping mall before. There's like mm. a you know, three or four year old kid just like yada 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 when the mom's <laughs> trying to make him leave and right. uh, you'll hear it in that sort of context. But yada is a, a great word. Mm. Yada, yada, yada. Not the Seinfeld yada. Yada. Is it? Uh, I was always picturing it as ya, da, but it's not that, is it? You oh, no, it's no, no. Like... It's e, ya, da. Oh, yada. Yada. Good japati. Japati. We'll be hearing it a million times before we die at our own hands. You before me. Yes, sir. Uh, luckily, I've got a polite little dozoer right now. He just dozos everything and tries to give it to me. <laughs> nice. This is very generous. Um, maybe next time he dozos me, I'll give him a yada, <laughs> reject <laughs> it, and turn the tables on him early. Uh, I think Carolyn Goldman would back me up on that. Just that's, that's proper discipline right there. That's with him, yeah. <laughs> Let's get into McQuiffy territory. Mm. McQuiffy. McQuiffy today is brought to you by Justin. Um, not the Honda Freed. Not the Honda Freed. It's <laughs> unsullied by sponsorship. McQuiffy segments. Um, stole that line from Arnie Johnson for all my NBA fans out there. Uh, so the McQuiffy today is, is there anything that you are thinking about or have already given up uh, that's a bit bigger than, say, just like, oh, you know, I used to watch this YouTube channel. Now I don't watch it anymore because I don't have time. But I mean, something that like you spent money on that was a big hobby of yours. Maybe you invested a few thousand dollars in and you're like, I just don't have time for this thing anymore. And Ooh. should I sell this thing that I love that was very costly? <laughs> you know, like that kind of like heavy life decision. Mm. Has anything like that crossed your table? I think, yeah, with the time constraints as they are now, like a lot of my hobbies are getting pushed to the back. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that they're to the point where I would start selling stuff off yet. Yeah. Like I have like maybe over 100 board games and I've got a really nice road bike that I haven't touched in months. Yeah. And I don't play the games anymore. There's the PlayStation that just goes unused now. (laughs) Yeah. But... 
These I, are the things. I don't know that I would get rid of them yet. Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of value in them down the road when Coda's older and able to yeah. kind of engage in them. So I'm like, well, yeah, I can't use them now, but I'm going to use them a lot later. Yeah. Like, especially when Coda's riding a bike, like we're going to go on cycle trips. Like if he's into video games, we'll definitely play a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know that I'd sell anything. Money's not that tight yet. We'll see after number yeah. two comes. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, it's a matter of like, uh, if something goes totally unused and then it's just taking up space and you're like, I'd like to have that space and I could get like a few thousand dollars back out of it or something. You're Um, in my boat of, we have the space. Yeah. So I don't feel that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. If either of us had a normal house, which sort of like tight and confined and no extra storage area, then it might be a bit more pressing. But I'm in the same boat as you as well that I justify almost everything. I justify keeping it uh, by thinking like this will be a great opportunity for my child to get into um, in not too long. I mean, it is you're looking at a minimum of five or six years before they yeah. can get into like musical instrument or something right? Uh, properly, you know, other than just playing around on it. But uh, I've got in a room here where I am now, it's the music room and I've got the electronic drum set. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like one of those things that if you wanted to be good at it, it would take a lot of time and I enjoy it a lot, but it's like, when am I just going to wander in here and be able to play the drums and try to figure out some right. drum beat? You know, it's like so far outside the realm of possibility, mm. but luckily Nico loves these freaking drums Ooh. already. And he is a drumming machine. You turn on the drums, put it on some crazy sound effects where each one makes a wild sound and give him the sticks. And he'll sit there for 20 minutes, just boom, 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 trying all of them. Cymbals, toms. He doesn't, he can't use the pedals, obviously, but Mm. he reaches his hand down and hits the bass drum with a stick <laughs> just to test it out. Nice. Uh, he'll hit the controls with a stick, <laughs> like, like the where you do the settings and everything. He loves it. Can't get enough of it. So oh, that's good. It's already a bit of promise, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna keep the drums. Yeah, uh, those are safe. That helps me sort of bridge the gap between like I'm not really dedicating myself to this, and then eventually you realize your hobbies are like time sinks, and what are you supposed to do? Like play all the instruments and work in the shop all the time. Right. And you know, like just, I don't know, also watch TV, have your game system, like the, it's, the board games. It's impossible to actually spend time on everything. But when the kid gets old enough, it'll come back around. People tend to think like, if you have this stuff and you're not using it, then it's, it's useless and it's just taking up space and you should get rid of it. If you're confined to a certain amount of space like a small apartment then that would make sense but you don't buy things that you don't have space for to begin with so unless you need to fill it with new things then i wouldn't see the the reason to even get rid of it if you're not using it right away because eventually i mean that's what people do with stuff i mean you kind of we go back and forth between things all the time like you stop doing a hobby pick up a new hobby go back to the old hobby it's just the way it way it works yeah, for sure. I'm uh I'm just feeling recently that I've kind of like my hobbies were already pretty like mm. peak 
You right. know, like <laughs> it would have taken me a lot of time to devote to all these different things. And then the baby came along and I started work like full on again. Right. And uh, all of my fun things go wanting. They just kind of lay around. Yeah, but dude. Um, I'm also deeply, deeply conservative in terms of just keeping and conserving things. So I can't see myself parting with anything. That's true. You still got the pair of shorts. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got shorts that I wore in high school. I mean, no question about it. Uh, it's it's pretty ludicrous. All right. Well, dad jokes. I got one. I was lazy this week. I made one up that I was so proud of. I, oh. I sat on it for a few days and thought I'm going to use this as a dad joke. Is it good but, enough to lead, or do you want to end with it? You tell me. <laughs> I want to. I want to end with it. I want it to be the capper. Okay. Okay. Here we go. What does food and the internet have in common? Mm, food and the internet. I don't know. What? Both use servers. That's true. It is true. That's true. It's a, <laughs> a good observation. It's an observational dad joke today. Uh, okay. This one just crossed my mind a few days ago. Um, what do you call a socket? That's ready and willing to be plugged into. <laughs> Fuck it. That's ready and willing to be plugged into. I don't know. An enthusiastic consento. Ayo! Little Japanese of the day crossover. Uh, nice. An outlet is, is called a, a consento. Maybe I should have said outlet. I don't know. Anyway. Enthusiastic consent. I was very proud of myself when that came up <laughs> came up in my brain. Nice, I like it. Right. I like it. Well, that does it, right? Yes. Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at JPops Podcast or by email at info at the JPops.com. Talk to you next time. Consento time.